0: This is the Spout Podcast, where famous people spout off about more than what they're famous for. Here's DJ Automatic. What up, y'all? DJ Automatic with the Spout Podcast, and I've got my man, DJ D-Nice, visiting with me today. What up, bro?
1: What's up, man? It's been way too long, bro. It has.
0: It has. It has. Well, I want to start out by first things first. I just want to say I'm super proud of you, Ben. Like, I know we haven't been able to, like, sit down and talk for a very long time, but Seeing everything that's got, that happened with you over the past year and with everything with the club quarantine, it just like, it really made me happy for you. Cause I know how long and how hard you've worked for every single thing that's come your way. And I feel like it it's happened. It, it's all happening now.
1: Yes, bro. It's, um, it's been like one of those years where, you know, there was part of me that felt a little bit sad because of what was going on, obviously. And then it was still like, there was a, a major part of me that felt like, wow, like, The world gets to hear the music the way that we listen to it. And it's no disrespect to any other DJ or any other artist, you know, new music. It's about listening, just being open to hearing everything. And to be able to do that and have it resonate with the world has been so beautiful, bro.
0: So the first time I met you, you you were DJing in Santa Fe. It was a wedding and you had forgot something or something happened. And you put a message on Twitter and you were like, yo, if there's anybody in Santa Fe or Albuquerque that can help me out with whatever you needed... Please do. I was living in Albuquerque at the time. I drove down to Santa Fe. I took you to stuff and I felt like it was one of the best moves I ever made because I, I got to know the real you. I got to get a feel for you. And you had always been, I, I remember telling you this, you were, you know, you always have been like a hip hop icon to me. I was, you know, your first album was a big deal to me, called me to be nice. I mean, I looked up to you as a kid. I always felt like you were one of the best rappers out. And then you just stopped rapping. And I, that, that bothered me. But then you started DJing, and I got really happy about that. And then to be able to hear where you went from, like... Almost at that time where you were, like, weren't 100% positive that you really wanted to be a DJ, that you were thinking maybe you were going to do the photography more, maybe doing more of the internet stuff still, to where you are now is yeah.
1: crazy. It is crazy, and it's crazy. I, I, I want to go back, because we got that's we have so much to catch up on. <laughs> One, bro, you were so kind to me, you know, when we met. And I that wedding... I I learned a lot about that wedding, man. They were, you know, they hired me to obviously to play their reception. And the crazy part was my brand new laptop stopped working. And it was a Sunday in New Mexico. And I I, I was using my iPad and my iPhone uh, to play music. I couldn't use my computer. The system software didn't load in. And you were really just a kind brother, man. Like. You know what I mean? Like, you you made sure that I was okay, and and I will always be appreciative of that. Um, This journey has been great, you know? Like, to go from, you know... You know, I started out as a DJ back in the day, but I was more of a show DJ, not really party rocker. You know, show DJ with KRS and DJ Scott LaRock, who taught me how to play. Um, And then I went to rapping. And then, you know, I I didn't stop rapping because I wanted to stop rapping. I stopped rapping because the record company didn't believe in, in... who I was, you know, and that was a very hard thing for me to be shelved. But it was a, it was an important lesson. I'm not here right now without that lesson of like never giving someone the power to do that again. And that's what keeps me going. So to, um, to be here right now as, as a DJ, and you know, I'm proud to say, like, I, I know what happened with me changed the way people use their platforms, changed the way, I mean, the way we communicate. I know it's a big deal. And um and and but none of that is possible without all of those lessons and also without meeting you or without meeting the Obamas like all of those things are why people feel good about it you know what I mean like it, it makes you feel like you're part of it which you are you know
0: I'm glad to see you're back to making music are we gonna ever yeah. see you rapping again or are we just gonna be on the producer side
1: um no, probably more on the producer side I mean on, on my album I'm definitely gonna drop. Uh, you know, 16 bars. I I still feel like I got 16 in me.
0: (laughs) You still got it in you. I'm looking (laughs) forward to that.
1: I still feel like I got 16 in me, man. So I'm just trying to find the right track that, that, you know, we create to, um, for it to make sense. What is the album going to sound like as a whole? I mean, I can tell you what it sounds like. It's, it's, it's actually like, it almost feels like a soundtrack, like an R&B soundtrack right now. The only person rapping on it is Snoop. That's it. Like, other than that, it's like all singing, You know, I got a a new single coming out soon with um, Kiana Lede. So many, like, talented artists on this project, you know, from old school to new artists, um, Grammy winning artists. Like, you know, we're trying to just hold the announcement. And these songs, this is not a wish list. These songs are actually done already where it's like, okay, this is going to be interesting when it it drops. The, The one thing that was important to me to do with this first project was. To limit the amount of like rapping that was on it, because I had to be able to separate D Nice, the rapper, from D Nice, the DJ. Like yeah. I didn't want people to think that this was going to be a
0: comeback album.
1: Rap, yeah. Like I didn't. That was very important to me. Like, and it took a while for me to figure out the lane. But it was important to establish this is not a rap album. This is not me rapping. This is not a comeback, yo. I'm, I'm back because of you know quarantine. Like, no. These. This. This is what I've been working on for a while. And um, it's really good, man. It's a solid project.
0: I'm a little disappointed that there's not going to be more rapping from you on it, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's all right. Um, I, know, I know another like huge passion you have is photography, and yep. I've seen you in action. You know, we did uh, we did this uh, photo shoot in Santa Fe. You got to take a bunch of cool pictures, all that kind of stuff. Um, how many? I know at the time you had a lot of you know cameras. How many cameras do you think you have at this point?
1: Oh, bro, there are cameras everywhere. Um, I think right now I have about 25 I shoot oh, wow. all the cameras and they're, they're literally all over, bro. Um, I just love the thing about photography for me was when, when, when I was, you know, kind of put on the shelf as a rap artist and, and the record company, no one put out any more music. All I had to remind me of who I was and what I had accomplished were photographs, you know, like, Those were the only tangible things that I had to be able to share with my at that time. I mean, I have two kids now, but like at that time I had no kids. But it was was to to have the ability to share with my kids and and to inspire them. All I had were like these images and I didn't take a lot of them. You know, like I wish I had taken more images during my BDP days. You know, every now and then I'll find a picture that I shot. But I wish I would have like properly documented um, those moments. So as things started to like progress in my career in terms of DJing and photography, because it was happening at the same time, I just decided that every day I was going to have a camera, and every day I would take pictures, and I would document. I, was gonna, I, I just knew I was going to document everything. And it's just been a beautiful experience because other artists, you know, I mean, I have pictures from early Kendrick Lamar days to, to you know, of course, early KRS and, you know, like Big Daddy Kane, And, you know, Dave Chappelle and Mary J. Blige. And like, I just have all of these pictures because everyone loves when I have a camera with me. And, you know, one day um, and one day soon, actually, you know, I have two book deals and one is based on photography. So I've been curating that now. And um, so I'm I'm trying to have that by summer of 2022. You know, it takes a minute to roll out the books properly. Um, And that's that's what we're we're eyeing right now. So, yeah, it's going to be cool, bro.
0: So I saw you. Uh, you've re- relocated from uh, New York
1: to Los Angeles.
0: Uh, now, re- yeah. Reason you did that, or what, what's going on? Why I always thought of you as like a hardcore New York guy.
1: I was a hardcore New York guy, and I I was doing all of these shows, and um, every time I returned to New York, like I had moved to like the financial district in New York City, very nice, a very nice place. But I moved in in the winter time, so obviously in New York winter is dark then the summertime hit, and it was still dark. And I realized that I would selected like a place to, to, to reside in that didn't get a lot of sunshine. So every time I would return from the road, I would literally buy a plane ticket the next day and fly back to L.A. or fly to L.A. if I was coming from somewhere else. I would just go home and just change clothes. And like, then I would fly to L.A. and I would stay out here. And then um, I just decided to like make the move. I was a lifelong New Yorker. Um, I, I made the move really for some sunshine, but here's the beauty of it. Automatic. The beauty of it is, if I were in New York City, Club Quarantine does not happen.
0: That's what I was gonna say because you had recently moved to LA when you when Club Quarantine, and I felt like yeah. in a way it was like you. Were, I mean, obviously, you know people there, but you you weren't that well established at that point. Like on the first couple, you know, when you first started out on Club Quarantine, and it was like a way for you to connect with people because. I could see I could feel it because I remember even you posted and uh when you were first moving into the house and it wasn't that much it wasn't how how long had you lived there before quarantine took part
1: I was there I was downtown Los Angeles for 1 year but for that year I was on the road so you know I was probably home maybe like 3 days a month you know I was constantly on the road um so I I didn't make LA home and that's that's why I said like if if I Hadn't moved to LA. None of this happens because the feeling that I had is what made me start doing what I was doing. It was like everyone else, you know, I I do have a good friend group out here, but people, you know, this is a quarantine. Like when you're talking about quarantine, like when you, when you have to quarantine, you you're with your family and you don't go anywhere. Well, you know, I have no family out here, you know, and all of my friends were with their families. So I was quarantining alone and you know, and and that's why this happened. Like this doesn't happen without being in Los Angeles. So, I I feel like you know the universe brought me here for a reason. You know, like I, I was here to do this, to be able to provide service for people, to be able to play music, to be able because you know, and and on top of it, I wasn't in a relationship. If I, had I been in a relationship, do you think my partner would have been like, "All right, keep DJing for nineteen hours"? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I, I feel like being in LA was important for whatever this journey was and is. It was important to be here.
0: God's plan for real, though. Um, how did it feel to wake up? Because I remember that I I remember watching the first night of you doing Club Quarantine, and I was like, "Yo!" And I remember telling my wife, I was like, "He's got like a lot of people on. Like, it's like it's popping. And there's a lot of famous people on there." And then the second night, I tuned in again, and it was. Probably double or triple what was on the, the the day before. A lot of famous people on. But then I remember looking at your Instagram, and I was like, "Yo, he's got over a million followers now." And it was like, "How much of a jump did you go from?" Like, you went from like a hundred thousand to over a million, right?
1: I went to uh, from two hundred thousand, and I woke up the next day, and I had um, I had uh, nine hundred thousand followers, and then like three hours later, I was at like one point one million. I don't know. It was just crazy. Like people just started following me. I think I'm almost at like 3 million now. Um, yeah, it was a big jump and it was, um, it was a big surprise. But the thing that's great is that it was all natural. You no, know, it, like, was, it, was, like, it was, yeah, it, that's what I said. It really was God's plan. <laughs> it was God's plan, bro. Like I, I was literally, cause remember, I remember seeing you in the first days and I wasn't DJing. I was literally just playing music into my, from my phone, into I me mean, from the computer, into my phone. I just had the, the phone sitting on my laptop and um, and I would just sh- play music and share stories and and it just kept growing. And then I started DJing like maybe three days into it, four days into it. That's when I actually hooked up the tables and started playing and that's when like Drake popped in and J-Lo. Everyone was trying to figure this out. Like, wait, what is this guy doing? Like, what is he doing? And um, And then it was that fifth day where it was just nuts, man. But The fifth day was important. The fourth day was my favorite day because the fourth day, which was that Friday before like the hundred thousand and then the hundred and sixty-five thousand people, it was, it was because it was just about music, man. It, you know, and like everybody felt good to still find a way to stay connected. So that day was the, that was the important day to, to me. And um, that's when I started seeing people say like, they would leave these comments like, wow, like this is changing my life. I, the only people that are missing are the Obamas. And that next day, which was that big Saturday, you know, like being the first person to have like a 100,000 people in a in a room like that, well, actually it represented millions because, you know, when people, you know, you, you sign out, you check your phone, you're out of it, and you come back. But, like, it was literally millions and millions of people in there. Um The beauty of it, though, bro, is that I was calling a lot of people, you know. I was calling the Obamas assistant, and I was calling... Bernie's team and I was, you know, I was on the phone trying to figure out how to keep people inspired. That's all I wanted. It wasn't about like, wasn't about any of the, you know, I just need a hot party because we didn't know that this was going to change things for people. I just wanted, I just wanted the 25,000 people that were in there the night before that felt depressed. They were feeling like isolated and like, you know, this was something new. Like we've never had to deal with anything like this. I wanted them to feel inspired. And that was my approach when I was calling everyone. I was like, look, man, there were 25,000 people in there. I just want to find a way to keep them going, like to keep people inspired. And the fact that everyone that I reached out to came through was um, to me one of my proudest moments in my entire career because then that meant that people genuinely liked me. Uh, You know, how do you convince someone to come to a party on your phone you know, like, <laughs> but yeah,
0: that means that they genuinely support everything yeah. you're doing, which is the best feeling in the world.
1: It's the best feeling, bro. Like so. And that's why I continue to use the platform to, you know, obviously with Michelle, you know, I've done a lot of, um, you know, virtual couch parties to raise awareness to voting. You know, I've raised money for HBCUs. I've raised, you know, you know, half a million dollars, nearly half a million dollars for the CDC Foundation. I mean, I just use the platform for what I feel is good, you know, and, you know, and obviously I allowed other DJs to have that experience as well, to rock with me. Yeah, that's just been important to me to to be in a position to give back, not just financially, but just to give people opportunities to just have a great experience.
0: Well, it's obviously afforded you some more opportunities. Tell me about the Ford truck commercial. When Ford was like, yo, we want to use you for a commercial. How did that whole thing come about? Cause I'm, I know when I saw that commercial, I rewound it. I was like, yo, what the <laughs> Yeah, Moment
1: no once again for me. That, let me tell you, man, I when I used to watch like um Black Sheep, they had maybe like a Doritos commercial or something. You can get with this. I don't know what commercial it was, but it was like this cool commercial. Everyone, Rob Bass had a commercial with it takes two. And I was like there's nothing that's going to make, a, you know, I'm not going to have a D nice commercial with a brand. Cause no one, you know, they're not going to use D nice. When I got the call to, to participate with this forward activation. And when they said they also wanted to use my song, I was like, wow, wait, so I'm going to do the voiceover. I'll start in the commercial. I'll DJ in the commercial and you'll play my music. I was like, Whoa, this is crazy. And, um, yeah, bro. It it was uh when I when I saw the the final product, it was truly like it just it just made me realize the importance of everything that I had done throughout the years. So you know, we're where thirty years later. I'm doing something that's still relevant. You know, I can still use a song that I made years ago in this commercial, and it's it's just been great, man. It's, it's just been great. Now uh, we just shot a second one, and uh, this time we used the the new single, "No Plans for Love." as opposed to call me D nice but yeah no it's 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 been great bro
0: well like i said i'm really really happy for you um besides djing and photography what do you do to occupy your time like what else are you into
1: that's it man back into creating music and djing and spending time with my family with my kids and my mom you know that was another thing you know you're you're a parent correct
0: yeah yeah i've got a my daughter's 13
1: Man, I, man, we met so long ago, bro. Wow.
0: <laughs> I think when I met I think when I met you, she was probably probably just been born.
1: Yes. That's crazy. When um the thing about this, man, my my, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out with my ex and I. So I lived in a different state than my kid. And um you know, that that and this is a an important part of the journey. That Friday, that big day when when Drake and everyone popped in I actually had a plane ticket to go to fly out to Michigan to be with my daughter. But as a parent, when you feel you feel like this energy that, you know, something is about to happen, like you, you, you learn to just listen and be obedient and stay still and do what you need to do. Because what I was feeling when I woke up that Friday morning, I felt like this was special and I didn't have those huge numbers. The huge numbers didn't come until that Friday night before i had like you know 2 3000 in there and which you know, still a lot respectable of
0: respectable numbers yeah but well, not yeah. you know hundreds of thousands yeah
1: yeah so so um you know i'm looking at my screen i didn't even turn it off from last night when i returned from the east coast i, I just jumped on and did like a 45 minute set and it's like like the screen is still there it's like 17435 people like that's that's like an arena it is <laughs> to to play for that many people but um anyway, so like I said, man, that Friday, man, I had I decided to not fly out to um, to to see my daughter because I, I just thought that there was something magical happening and that I needed to focus on that because I knew ultimately if that does well. Not that I didn't think it was going to do what it did for me. I just thought it was like, let's see where it goes. And it was just important to just stay there. And that was a hard thing to do as a, as a parent to decide that you're not gonna go in quarantine with the kids to stay there. But ultimately it was the, the best thing for my family and it was the one of the, the best things for people. We all found each other and we found each other through music.
0: I know you collect music and I was always impressed by the fact that like when I met you, I offered you, I was like, yo, I could probably get you like a DJ City account or I could get you uh, you know, I could probably get you linked up with one of these, you know, DJ, you know, companies and get you free music and you told me you're like, no, I always buy all my music. I buy everything. I don't want to do it that way. Yeah. Uh was that because you were an artist and you just knew how valuable that was? Or you, you did, what, what what was your reasoning behind that? When you had all the options to have all the free music in the world, but you were like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna jump on Apple Music, I'm gonna pay for this.
1: Um, it was because I you know, I was an artist. You know, I was a recording artist. And yeah, I still buy music. I just I just buy it. Like I don't really use I don't use too many mashups, I don't do any of that. I like like, if someone went into a studio and they created this masterpiece, it should be heard that way at times, you know? Like, sometimes I feel like all of the mashups are, like, cheap tricks that people use. It's cool, that works for you, but, like, not you per se, but, like, yeah. it can work for a DJ. But for me, it's like, I think about it from the artist's perspective of, like, man, you spent weeks or months or sometimes two days creating this record and creating this vibe, and it should be it should be heard that way, you know? So... I go out and I support, man. You know, if I'm out here making X amount of dollars per gig and I can't spend ten dollars to buy someone's album that that I'm using to to rock a party, then that's just that's terrible. So for me it's just about giving back. And like you said, man, and you knew that from back then. I'm still the same way, man. I literally buy everything. You know, people, you know, obviously sometimes people will send me something in advance, but like I really do I really do try to support artists.
0: And I know that you do a lot of stuff with Michelle, but do like Do you like have them on? Like, can you just call like Barack and Michelle just now? Like, you guys are just cool like that?
1: Nah, I can't call them. They know who <laughs> I am, but no, I can. <laughs> I try to look at things like this, man. Do I have access to reach out? Yes, I do, but I don't. I don't just randomly call on some. Hey, what's up? We're going. Let's let's kick it. Like, no, it's usually. You know, their team would reach out to me if they need something. You know, I'm I'm working on something with them now called My Brother's Keeper um, with with uh, the Obama Foundation. Um, but, yeah, it's you know, it's kind of nice to to be able to at least say hello to to the former yeah, president yeah. of the United States of America.
0: I remember uh, I got invited to go to the, the White House when they were leaving. And I was like, I was like, man, I felt really cool. I was like, oh, man. and then I saw that you were DJing the party as <laughs> I was like, I was like, big difference there. I got to go hang out outside the, of the White House. He got to he's in there playing the party.
1: <laughs> I was playing the party. Yeah, that was that was actually a crazy experience. Of like, I remember
0: seeing everybody swag surfing. And I was like, man, the White House has uh, changed.
1: I don't know who put that video out, but I'll keep it real because we couldn't have phones in it. Whoever put it out, I was definitely happy. I was like, yes, like you could see me DJing like Swag surfing in the White House—that was, um, yeah, that was that was definitely an experience.
0: Man, I just want to thank you for taking the time to do this, and you know, uh, don't tell me you're a Lakers fan now, though, right? You know, no, no, no. I'm still sure a
1: Knicks fan. I'm a Knicks fan.
0: Well, I'm DJing for the Suns now. We're playing Lakers. Oh wow! Congrats. I just wanted to get your opinion on how do you think it's gonna go. You know, don't don't let me sway any, any of your any opinions, but how do you think that first uh, that first round is gonna go?
1: Look, I, I don't know, man. Like, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea how it's gonna go. I was looking at um, the lineups, and I don't know. I don't even want to put it out there, bro. But I'm just happy to see some New York in there. You know, like
0: you're just happy to see the Knicks back in the playoffs.
1: Yes, man. Like, <laughs> that's it.
0: I know you're a busy man. I know you got lots to do. I just want to say thank you again. We're, you know, sitting down, taking the time and with the, me and Spout pod, uh, podcast, and
1: you got any one last message for anybody, or you want to plug your stuff? Uh, you you know, to... you know, just I just hope people continue to stay safe out there and uh, and support the music. You know, just trying to I'm trying to do something on the um, on the the R and B side that's usually done with like EDM and and more like hip hop with Khaled, you know, and with David Guetta, but like I wanted more of an R and B feel to what I'm doing, man. So If people can just continue to support, you know, it it kind of opens the doors for other DJs like myself that love this kind of music to be able to like put records out. And um, so that's, that's all I want to say. And also to say hello to your wife, man, until I say congratulations.
0: I will. Yeah, man. And I just, once again, I'm proud of you, man. And take care. Hit me up when next time you're in Phoenix.
1: I appreciate you, bro. All All right. right. Later, brother.
0: All right. Later, man. See the full conversation at Spout Podcast on YouTube. Follow us at spout underscore podcast on IG and Twitter. Plus now spout podcast on clubhouse next week, glass animals spout off. I think you can like, you can cook like a kind of dinner or something that way, but making baked goods, it is a bit more side. That is like chemistry, That is proper chemistry. You're mixing things. You're cooking it. It froths up. It grows like chemical reactions are happening. You gotta be, I find you gotta be like, a little bit more specific when you're baking. Otherwise, it can really go tits up. Be sure to listen to the next Spout Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Spout Podcast is presented by Alpha Media, produced by Gorilla Sound, and created by Phil Becker. Spout. Spout.